Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast TaylorMade Stealth 2 Driver Giveaway. Head over to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash driver to enter today before the big drawing on April 8th. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, a fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Bill Meyer, here for the second day in a row. I did a little solo episode yesterday, which was a wild ride. I appreciate all of you guys that showed up to watch, hang out, that sort of thing. It was a blast. It took me a little getting used to, but I felt like I was really in the zone there at the end. Back with me today, though, is my co-host, Ryan Gilbert. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing good. I'm back to uh, get you out of that zone. I'm back to call you out on your on your bad takes and stuff. So you can't just uh, fly by the seat of your pants here. But yeah, I'm doing good. It's been it's been about a week now since we last recorded. I guess we recorded on Friday, maybe. So it's been 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 been, been, been too long. Look, I mean, maybe I, I could use a shave here, but I'm doing good. Baseball weather here in Philadelphia in the 70s going to be in the 80s tomorrow. But chance of rain, so, so the Phillies home opener could be rained out, which might be a good thing oh, at no. this point because the Phillies are kind of uh, struggling out of the gate. But yeah, I, I'm doing good. I'm happy to talk some fantasy baseball here. Me too. I mean, it's to have somebody else on here with me to talk fantasy baseball with. Because like I said yesterday, I do a decent job of just kind of rambling on my own. And you got to rein me in sometimes. So yesterday I got to, the leash was off yesterday. And I got to do what I wanted, which was pretty cool. But it's nice to have you back. It's much easier with two people because it gives me a second to to get a little breather instead of just going and going and going. I'm too fat and out of shape to talk that long without, without taking a second to myself. It's going to be a little shorter episode than normal. We're just going to kind of like today, we're just going to kind of get right into it and go along, kind of cut out my, my early episode talking. Uh, but today we want to cover some early season overreactions because I talked slightly about it yesterday. Yesterday, not a whole lot, kind of teased it. Um, Early on in the year, everybody kind of has their theory about what they should and shouldn't do with players that are struggling or getting off to slow starts. We want to talk about our theories and then players, um, or not theories, strategy is probably a better word. And then some players and what what we would do with them if we rostered them. I roster one of these in every league. Hint, hint. It shouldn't surprise anybody. But uh, yeah, so Ryan, when it comes to early on in the year, if players are off to a slow start, how long of a leash do you give them before you start thinking about kind of putting them on the chopping block? I'm in the camp of, you know, if they're a top 10 round pick, top 15 round pick, let, let them play it out. It's it's the first week of the season. If it was a bad five game stretch in June or July, you wouldn't even notice it. At the same time, you have to have those guys that you're willing to cut bait on if they if they don't show up early. Those guys you pick in the twentieth round, the guys guys you pick in the late round. But I think it goes back to the old saying: you can't win a pen in, a ba- in April, but you can lose one. You can't win a fantasy baseball mm-hmm. season in April, but you can definitely lose one if you cut bait on some guys too early. Also, if you hold on to guys for, for too long. But 
you, if you hold them for too long, hold them into May, and then you know they have a full month of a sample size. And also, I have to factor in some of these guys; they're used to playing in warm weather, and you know there's plenty of northern cities, northern teams that don't get that warm weather until June or July. And as a uh, Phillies legend Charlie Manuel says, it's hitting season then when when it's hot out, the ball's flying. So it's it's a case by case basis, obviously, with all these players, but. I'm in the camp generally of having a longer leash on these guys, especially the the veteran guys that have done it before. Some of these uh, younger guys that are on the cusp may not have as long of a leash for me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in a similar area of it with you. My my thing has been, I guess, if you're more of a casual fantasy player, then it's slightly different. If you're more of a casual fantasy player, it's just getting into it. You don't pay that much attention you not really care about you didn't I don't know how many casuals are, are listening to, to a fantasy baseball podcast though that's the thing touche that's a good point so for all of you fucking stat junkies out there <laughs> got you okay so for us the guys that put a lot of time and effort into uh offseason and pre-draft uh research and roster building and mock drafting and all of this stuff you went into your draft knowing who you like you went into your draft knowing who you don't like you went into your draft knowing the guys you wanted at the top of the draft and the guys that you were comfortable taking later on you thought could pan out. So for you to then go get those guys in your draft, have them on your team, and go six days into the season, and you cannot do that because six games at the start of the season isn't going to change how that player is going to play for the rest of the year you wanted now if it's somebody you were on the cusp about like maybe like a 25th round pick that you just kind of well, took a flyer on let's just struggles early that's fine, let, let's but. get into the, the example right there this is the guy i drafted in the 26th round of my eight team uh, keeper league um a guy we've been high on you've been high on i am debating cutting him right now uh jared kelnick not ah. off to a great start. He was uh, two for his first seven, then went over six, bench for two games, and now he's uh, one for two today against the Angels. He's someone where it's like, okay, we've especially if you drafted him before and you got burnt by him before, especially if you got dra- burnt by him twice in 2021 and 2022. He's someone that, you know, in the spring he looked great. He, he looked like he had an improved swing, looked like he had an improved uh, stance and everything, and just a better overall focus on baseball and so far he hasn't just as an outsider looking at it looking at the numbers he's hitting 154 he's hitting 154 coming into today i I don't know if he's hitting the ball well i don't know if he's being robbed i don't have his baseball savant page up but uh as someone who i imagine has watched quite a few mariners games including one from uh some pretty good seats there you sent me what is your take on on kalnick so far if you can take out some of that bias Taking out the bias, it still hasn't changed my opinion because of one thing. Uh, Part of the game plan with Kelnick coming into the season was that he was going to be platooned. It wasn't uh, maybe he'll be platooned. It wasn't any of that. It was a very dead set. Him and AJ Pollock are platooning in the left field. Kelnick starts against righties. Pollock starts against lefties. The last two games that the Mariners played – he wasn't getting benched because he fucking sucks. He was getting benched because the Mariners went against two lefty starters in back-to-back games, which doesn't happen all that often. And it's only in the limelight right now because it is like just a handful of games into the season. So it looks like, damn, like he's he's sucking. They're really benching him. It's only because of 
the lefty starters in back-to-back games. Again, there's a righty starter out there today. He's one for two. Uh, his K rate sucks. So I need to see that come down. It's like 40 something percent right now, which isn't good, but his it's, average it's, it's exit below a small is sample size like, where we're like K rate doesn't, really I know at this point. It, it, it's so it like a lot of this stuff is like, I, I said that yesterday too. One of the things with small sample sizes are, is that they are what you want them to be. Uh, if mm-hmm. it's a small sample size and somebody's doing really good, you can use that to show like, Oh yeah. Like he, look at how good he's doing. That can continue. And if it's a small sample size and they're sucking, you can also use that to be like, now nope, look at he, this small sample size sucks. He's going to be so bad. Well, Kelnick, his average exit velo is just shy of 90 miles an hour. Again, early in the year, he's only barreled up one ball, but that, that's good for a fourth grade still. But to see that that's up is nice. Now, his max exit velo is 103 miles an hour. We need to see that go up a little bit. But I, I have excitement there. Uh, he showed things even in the first game that should have people very excited. Uh, with the shift being gone, he hit that really, really, really hard single uh, through like between first and second base, squeaked into the outfield, wouldn't have been out with the shift, got him immediately, stole second. Things like that are things that I like to tell him. Like, that's an improvement for him. And then he came out and hit the double in the next game, an improvement for him. He'll need time to build on that and kind of let the momentum keep going. I'm not cutting bait on Kelnick yet just because he's going to start against righties. Most pitchers are righties, so he's going to get plenty of ABs. It's only so prominent right now because they did face the back-to-back lefties. Games for that. Don't start backs. We want to see Kelnick, but yeah, I, I can understand wanting to cut bait on him, especially with how late people took him. Yeah, completely understand that there. And another one of our guys that has been uh, dropped a lot recently over the past few days, at least here on Yahoo, is uh, Joey Manessis, first base outfield eligibility for the Nationals. We talked about him being, you know, the the focus of the Nationals lineup now with Soto gone, with Bell gone. Um, two for five in his first game. Since mm-hmm. then, he's uh, three for 20, including two for eight in the past two games. So he's been got a double uh, today against the Rays. Uh, Manessas, what do you think about holding on to him? See, I'm still in the camp of holding on to him as well. Just because I know I drafted him in two leagues and where I drafted him is the spot where I still, I still want to keep him. I think I took him like around 20th round in my drafts. I think I took him 19th in one. Um, not a lot has changed for his hitting profile from now to last year. Again, the K rate's high, but like you said, that those types of things, you could strike out twice this early in the season and have a, a 38% strikeout rate. The only thing that worries me with him is he's chasing the ball more. His chase rate's up to, I think it's 35% so far, and it was like 30% last year, which both league average. I don't want to see him press and really run his way into chasing too many pitches just to like try and make something happen happen because then he'll see he's worth a drop but i'm not pulling the cord on manessis yet just because i think there's enough meat on the bones still there to be a solid fan see out uh asset that's what i'm looking for yeah I, I think i think i agree with that i i didn't get manessis in any of my three yahoo leagues there but he is available in um my my eight team or non-keeper here no the 10 teamer actually so i, I i'm considering picking him up um yeah, he's. I think he's gonna maybe even this slow start is, is fine for him. He, he's someone that you know, doesn't have a ton of major league time. We talked about it end of last year, but he's gonna get that opportunity this year. 
with the Nationals. I think he's someone that, you know, he had a good World Baseball Classic. Maybe he has that adrenaline down a bit after playing in such high-stakes games. He may have been drafted later in the draft, but unless there's someone available out there that you think is definitely better than him at this point, then I would probably uh, stick with Manessis at least for the next week or so, see how it, see how it plays out. Smart move. And I got one for you now. It's one right. that uh, I posted my was in my Fantasy Bros waiver wire article on Reddit. Today. Got a lot of start sit questions, add drop questions. One that caught my eye that I was surprised to see is Josh Bell out in Cleveland. Somebody was asking if they should drop Josh Bell for Nolan Gorman. Is Josh Bell somebody you're you're keeping or you're you're cutting bait on this early? Yeah, I, I don't have any Josh Bell, just to be transparent, but looking at his numbers, he got back in the hit column today after a uh, 0 for what's that, 13 stretch. He went 1 for 4 in opening day, 1 for 4 today so far in the 8th inning. Still hitting cleanup for, for Cleveland, so they must believe in him. Um, you know, first base we, we talked about is, is a position where either you probably get one of the top guys or you wait, you're waiting for someone like, like Josh Bell to be your starter there in the, in the later rounds. Um, at, it's tough because you, you, you thought maybe in this, this new lineup, he, he'd be okay. He'd be better after um, going to San Diego. He, he was not good in San mm-hmm. Diego, but you thought in Cleveland in a better lineup, fresh full off season, fresh start, he, he'd be okay. But uh, max exit Velo 74% percentile. So maybe he's still hitting the ball hard. Let me look at his game log here. You got, a, you got a fly out, 100 exit velo, 107 exit velo, 108 on opening day against Castillo. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would cut okay. bait yet on Bell. It, it's just it's just still so early, and there aren't enough players, I think, out there mm-hmm. that I would be excited about that have the, the potential of Josh Bell. But Bell is someone that, you know, in the past, what did he top out with? Top out with 27, 37 home runs in 2019, which you know, they don't really count, but 27 home runs, 88 RBIs in 2021 with the Nationals. Got off to a good start with the Nationals, 14 home runs, hit 301 last year and 100 games with them. I think there's still some uh, some potential there for, for Bell to get back to what he once was. Still 30 years old, does have six walks, which, which is good so far. So he's uh mm-hmm. how many strikeouts does he have? Five strikeouts, so p- pretty good for him there. Uh, yeah, as as long as the Guardians are ha- batting him clean up, I think there's plenty of a uh, reason to keep him in your lineup. Bell's a tricky one for me, just because I I flip flopped a little on Bell in the off season. I wish I hadn't because I try not to do that. But when we first talked about Josh Bell, I talked about how I wasn't a fan of him coming into this year, just because. He sucked in San Diego. Much of that had to do with playing at Petco Park. But one thing we found out was the fact that he hits the best in low leverage situations with nobody on base is when he hits the best. <laughs> that like if you go to all of a sudden there's men on base, his batting average dropped by like 30 points last year. And if you go to men in runners in scoring position, I think he hit 200 with men in scoring position last year, which isn't good. And then coming into this year, he somehow has managed to swing at less pitches. He's only swinging at 39% of pitches now, whiffing on 47% of them, and making contact on only 62%. League average for contact is 82%. So he's making contact 20% less than league average. 
So again, small sample size, but those things do worry me. Just taking last year's inability to hit like with men on base and then all of a sudden he just can't fucking hit the ball and isn't even swinging at the ball. And when he does, he's barely making contact. I'm not a fan of those things. So I'll need to see a little bit of an adjustment. He's somebody that, man, he was taken fairly high. So it's really hard to cut bait on him. Mm-hmm. But oh, I, I don't want to say cut him, but maybe trade him. But then also if you trade him, you're trading for the, his lowest value. Yeah. So that that's that, that's a tough one. I think, but he he falls into that category of you know if you drop him, you're not going to lose your league. He's not one of those top yeah. ten, top fifteen round picks. He you know he might end up with you know twenty twenty five home runs, but you can get that off the waiver wire. We saw that last year with Christian Walker ended up with what thirty five home runs. He was available for most of the league. So uh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. if if there's players available out there that that you that you like, maybe you know Josh Bell hasn't had a great season since twenty twenty one. He may not. May not have it anymore. So, uh, Bell is probably, I, I might cut him. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get your get down on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're already doing best ball drafts for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right here, looking at uh, someone who, you know, had a had a hot start a little bit. He had a two-home run game, I believe. Trying to find him here is uh, Joey Gallo, who was being dropped a little bit by teams. I, I jumped on the Gallo train mm-hmm. um on the third, which is about Monday night. Uh, since then, he went 0 for 3 yesterday, 0 for 1 pinch hit today. But yeah, he had that 3 for 4 game against Kansas City, two home runs, hit a home run in Miami the next day. Uh, Joey Gallo. Um, I, I, if you have someone better on your list, we could talk about him. But like Joey Gallo, we can touch on real quick because he was someone people were interested in about with the shift change. You know, he has that power going to a new team. He's, I think he's, he's still hitting 250, has three home runs. He's, he's doing what Joey Gallo should do. I think he's a, a solid option if, if you're looking for power in your league. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully on board with that one. Not to continuously plug my, my work that I do on, on the other platforms, but I, I do a fuck ton of it, so it's hard not to. Uh, my first Rotoballer article came out today. Uh, it's a buyer beware article. It's guys that are, uh, kind of catching people's eye on the waiver wire that you should be wary of when it comes to picking them up. Last person on my list, Joey Gallo. who's in that article. My thing with him is if you look at his numbers, uh, his, his, his ERA and his slugging are stupid high. His expected ERA and expected, or not ERA, average and expected <sighs> slugging are stupid high. But the problem was it was all from those two games. The two home run and the the one home run with three RBI game. Other than that, he is 0 for 9 for the rest of the season with seven strikeouts. Other than that, he's Joey Gallo. He's the Joey Gallo that we thought he was. So he is the uh, prime example of somebody that had that early on success. So it skews his numbers a bit. And you're like, oh, shit, Joey Gallo is hitting 330. Joey Gallo's got three home runs and seven RBIs already and only a handful of games. Damn, he's killing it. But then when you look at the totality of what he's done so far, then you're like, oh, 0 for 9 with seven strikeouts in the other games. It, if you have him on your team, 
my guess is that you just expect that. But uh, he's somebody that I'm completely okay cutting bait with at this point, just because I mean he's Joey Gallo. If you want the home runs, I can best ball or something. He'd be fucking awesome. But in like a points league, probably don't don't roster Joey Gallo. Yeah, the thing with points league with first strikeouts are negative. Definitely don't have have Joey Gallo. But the thing with someone like Joey Gallo is he's going to have those cold stretches where he goes. 0 for 10 with five strikeouts, but he's going to have those games where he goes four for four with two home runs. Um, yesterday's game, mm-hmm. Tuesday against Sandy, he had two strikeouts and two at bats, and then he had a uh, 107.9 exit velo flyout uh, straightaway center field. So he was on that. He, he's his home runs were all 108 miles per hour, at 112 mile per hour one against Cueto, 100 mile per hour flyout. So you know he's he's hitting the ball hard when he does, but he's Typical Joey Gallo, where he is striking out a lot. Uh, you got anyone? Anyone else on your list there? Uh, yeah, uh, it's one. I got asked about by like three people. Uh, Whit Merrifield out there mm-hmm. in Toronto. I know he did well for Toronto after the trade last year. Some of his power and all of that came back. Yeah, five doubles, five home runs, hit two eighty one in forty four games. This year, kind of a slow start, though. He's two for 10. He's hit a double. He hasn't attempted any stolen bases or anything. Uh, he's just walked a little bit, not striking out a ton. But my problem with cutting, again, if you drafted him, you drafted him because you knew what what, what Whit Merrifield, God, that's a tongue twister. You knew what Whit Merrifield was at this point. That's what a lot of was. But I don't think you drafted Whit Merrifield expecting him to hit 300 with 25 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And he's got second base eligibility, which is so slim. Obviously, you did expect a little uptick in production because it is Toronto and get the best out of a lot of their hitters out there. And it's a really good lineup. It's just... I don't... I don't it kind of falls into the name category of like a, a bigger name player. So you mm-hmm. don't want to drop him because of that. But yeah, I wouldn't hate it if you dropped wet Merrifield, but you, you better have a solid second baseman outside of that because he's going to go on some pretty hot stretch of the season. Yeah. He, he has the name recognition from his time with, with the Royals, especially before last season. I mean, he stole 45 bases in 2018, 40 in 2021. So he, he has that speed. He hasn't shown it yet this season. He's only been on, on base four times with two hits and a walk. One of those hits was a double. Uh, the issue here for me with Witt is that he's already been been benched twice. Um, he was 0 for 3, didn't play the next game. 1 for 3, two RBIs, didn't play the next game. Apparently, he's he's splitting time with Biggio and uh, Espinal at, at second base. Ugh. He's got some starts in the, in the outfield. So, yeah, he's... You don't want to overreact to a week like, like we've been saying. He was drafted in the 16th round in my league here. He's still owned by the team that, that drafted him, but I think that's probably a bit high for where he should have been. But as you said, second base is so shallow where, you know, maybe if he didn't have that algebra, if he didn't have second base algebra, buddy, you cut him. He's not a good outfielder, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a deeper league where you need him for middle infield, or you need him for, you know, your second base, you can get one of the top 10 guys, then, yeah, it's, it's not going to kill you to cut bait on him, but it's also it's also not going to kill you to to keep him in your lineup. So maybe maybe pick up one of those one of those uh, second basemen that, that that's hot right now to fill in the gaps and just bench him for now. But yeah, he, he probably falls into the 
hold but don't start category for me. Yeah, I I agree with that. Probably just stash him on the bench, let him simmer there for a little while. Uh, I do have another one that I want to ask you about, though. Let's do it. Myth mustache himself, uh, my brother in mustache hood, Miles Mikolas. He was a pretty popular uh, draftee this year, kind of like the one of the later on pitchers that you thought had uh, mm. uh, the potential to be like a top 50 pitcher guy. Pitcher guy. It's a very technical term. Um, coming into the season because he had some success in previous years. Not just some success. I mean, last year he was one of only, well, like five pitchers to go over 200 innings. Uh, so he does pretty well. Had 12 wins last year. But I don't know what is going on this year. He's getting absolutely fucking annihilated. Uh, he's pitched nine innings and given up 10 earned runs. He struck out 12, which is cool, but he has a whip over two through two starts this year. He gave up 10 hits in his first game in 3.1 innings, nine hits against Atlanta in the second game in just six innings. Uh, I feel like you got to cut bait on him, right? I, I don't think you can cut bait on him because he was drafted probably higher if you, if you did draft him. He still has a strikeout, so he still has a, has a swing and miss stuff there. I'm trying to pull up his uh, stack cast now. But yeah, looking at his next start is in Colorado, so probably bench him for that. And um, I'm not sure what his next mm-hmm. start will be after that. But he, yeah, I never really believed in him last year. I was I was caught off guard by you know 3.29 ERA, a full run lower than the year before. But it was, you know, a first a full season for him. His full season in 2018, he was 18 and four with a 2.83 ERA. So I don't know if maybe he has like a nagging injury or if this is just back to back bad starts. It is also also worth mentioning, like the Blue Jays and Braves. They're they're two of the top top half lineups in the league. I would say, I think he's likely to get starts. Yeah. I mean, th- you have the Reds in the in this division. You have the Pirates in his division. You have the Brewers in his division, who are more pitcher focused. So I think Nicholas is is one of those players where if you drop him now, you could regret it just because he showed last year that he's able to do it for a full season. He showed uh, a few years ago he was able to do it full season. I'm trying to pull up his uh, splits from last season now. Uh, last April, oh, last April, March, he had a 1.52 ERA in, in five starts. So not, <laughs> not exactly a, a slow starter last year. Could just be a, a tough go out of the gate for him, you know, cold weather there in st louis i'm sure so i'm not going to cut bait mm-hmm. yet but i'm not going to start him on um, next tuesday against colorado uh that's probably a good call and i have i don't i don't think i have any more right. well, oh javi be- bias before before we get to him uh we're brought yeah. to you by the golf gambling podcast and their tailor-made driver contest the contest is completely free to enter and you have a chance to win an awesome tailor-made driver the drawing will take place on sunday april 8th so make sure you get in by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash driver. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash driver. Yeah, that's a uh, perfect segue there because Javier Baez sometimes <laughs> look like, looks like he's swinging a golf club with the way he just swings at everything. Um, he was drafted mm-hmm. in the 15th round in my league. He's still rostered. He's uh, what, hitting 100, two for 20 so far this season. Well, two for 21 now after pinch hitting today in Houston. Uh, I don't know what, what happened after he uh, after he left Chicago. He just has not been the same player at all. And maybe it was kind of a, a mirage there there in Chicago because I mean he was fine with the Mets, I guess, in the half season there. But last year, seventeen home runs, hit two thirty eight, one hundred forty seven strikeouts, 
This year, he has five strikeouts, only one walk, two hits, both singles. Yeah, Baez is Baez is someone I, I would feel comfortable cutting bait on because you're not going to regret him. He's not going to come back and put up 25 home runs. You can cut bait on him. Yep. Pick up one of these short steps that's hot right now, maybe a, a Bryce Terang or a uh, I saw Tovar is out there being dropped by some guys. So pick up a shortstop that you know is 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 out there and, and on the up and up a little bit rather than Baez, who appears to be just a shell of himself at this point. Especially with how yeah how deep shortstop is, like you said, like there's too many good options still available for you to struggle your way through Javier Baez just because you're convinced that he could hit 30 home runs again. He's chasing like 54 percent of pitches this year, and kind of find. That's not even that for Javier Baez. He has a career 43.5% chase rate, which is nuts. The MLB average is 28. So the man doesn't know what a strike zone is. He just, he see ball, he hit ball, or try to hit ball, but doesn't really work. Uh, he, he's held a hell of a player to watch, though. It's always entertaining. But yeah, I, I didn't draft Javier Baez at all, and I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole this year. He's not going to offer you anything that you couldn't cross on the waiver wire right now oh, uh, someone we were we were high on and i have him in in, in my main league here is uh rowdy to started the season 0 for 7 since then mm-hmm. he's 3 for 12 with two singles and a home run um bench today against the mets uh what do you think about about to i drafted him in the 16th round so i'm probably gonna hold on, hold on to him for my my power based league here but He's he's someone that you know maybe last year was just a, a flash in the pan. Uh, I I think he should still be okay, just because a lot of his uh, kind of behind the scenes metrics still look the same. His contact rate still the same. He's swinging a little less. He's swinging at fifty six percent of pitches. Normally he swings at about sixty three. So even then, not a crazy difference. Chasing twenty eight percent of pitches, he chased twenty seven last year. So uh i'm not that worried about it just because this is kind of what he is he doesn't make the most contact he does it goes a fucking mile so you just gotta kind of ride it out because the home runs will come roddy Tellez isn't gonna hit he's not gonna hit 280 just earlier in his career with the blue jays he had a little higher batting average he but he with the higher batting average less power approach he completely revamped his swing last year just to be full-on uh fly ball pull hitter use that strength so, yeah, I think this is what Rowdy Telez is. It, it'll come around. That Brewers offense is looking pretty good this year. So when he does start getting the bat on the ball, he's going to drive in a lot of runs. So I, I still I like to hold on that one. If you want to move him to the bench, I understand. But I wouldn't drop. I wouldn't drop Rowdy. Yeah, and I just wanted to uh, rant here a little bit about, about my early season injuries. Uh, Lars Nupar looks like hopefully he won't need a rehab stint, so maybe he'll just miss his 10 days with that uh, thumb injury. But I'm more upset here about the guy that I drafted thinking, you know what, if he stays healthy, I'm good. If he gets hurt, I'm not. I drafted him in the seventh round. Uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, of the White Sox, who we always say he has all the talent in the world. If he stays healthy, he is uh, he's good. He's going to be one of the best players in the league, but he just can't stay healthy. He hasn't played more than 100 games since his rookie year. 84 last year was decent in that time with 16 home runs, but I believe it's a uh, low-grade left hamstring strain. Um, So hopefully he's not out for too long. Uh, They anticipate him missing two to three weeks, so maybe he'll be back just in time for May as the weather starts to get warmer. But I'm a a little uh, 
bitter about that. Uh, now I am scratching the bottom of the barrel here for outfielders. <laughs> uh, I picked up Oscar Colas with the White Sox. I picked up Gallo. I have Tatis coming back on the twentieth, but until then, it's going to okay. be uh, going to be going to be tough. Yeah, Jazz got hurt today too, sliding in second base. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. In his so that, that's going to be tough. Jeff said, oh, good. The handsome host is back on today. I am back for a second day in a row, Jeff. Thank you, sir. Is that past your bedtime? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's like it's 830 not... there, so he should have he been asleep a long time yeah. ago. Maybe, uh, he got but... a, maybe he got his midday nap yeah. and went into the early bird special. Oh, true. Uh, someone uh, I'm true. considering yeah. picking up. I don't know if you talked about him yesterday or you thought about him. Uh, Patrick Wisdom for the Cubs. Ooh, first base, not. third base, outfield eligible. Uh, started the season 0 for 3. Since then, he is 6 for, what's that, 13? Two home runs, five RBIs. He, last season, it was a down year for him, but two years ago, he no, last year he hit 25 home runs. Two years ago, he hit 28 home runs. I'm considering picking up him up for my uh, outfield or util spot. What are, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, he's good if you're okay with the low average. He... He's down in like the two tens normally. He'll give you the doubles. He'll give you the home runs. He'll give you some counting stats. The man strikes out like fucking crazy. I think he struck out almost 200 times this year. So if it's a points-based league, I'm still iffy. Mm -hmm. I do love the multi-position eligibility, but he's also very streaky. So if you can, like right now, he's on a hot streak. If you can catch him while he's on a hot streak and Mm -hmm. you're able to pay attention enough to recognize when he's cooled off and cut him, I don't think he's a, a... roster for the entire year type of player i think he's a roster while he's hot and then drop him and just hope you can get him back when he gets hot again but that cubs that club clubs jesus christ (laughs) that cubs lineup looks really good this year so Mm -hmm. there's the ability for some counting stats there which is nice yeah i'm also considering uh nick castellanos in a trade he's had a really 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 slow start but um He's got some home games coming up. Philly's coming back home against the, uh, I think the Reds and the Marlins. So hopefully uh, that can get him going a little bit. Yeah, and maybe we can talk about him again, and his wife can retweet another one of our <laughs> clips. That'd be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the only other guy that I have, um, I had somebody again off of my buyer beware article today. Uh, I always like talking about these things when I find an interesting statistic or something that I'm, I'm lazy as fuck on Twitter. I don't tweet nearly as much as I should. So this is this is me tweeting out loud, uh, talking. Um, Zach Eflin for Tampa Bay. He had a good start mm. in his first start. Five innings, only three hits. I think he gave up a run with five strikeouts or six strikeouts, something like that. Uh, he was kind of the talk of the town a little bit there in Tampa Bay because they signed into that nice contract. Uh my problem is, so he went against Detroit. And the issue with Eflin was, last year his cutter was his fourth most used pitch, and it got absolutely shelled. Uh, last year, if I can get to that point, uh, his cutter had a batting average against of 375 and an expected bat 302. In his starting against Detroit the first year, it was his second most used pitch. Only had a 200 batting average against, but had a 315 expected batting average. It didn't get any better. And he somehow took his worst pitch that was his fourth most used. And it is now his second most used pitch. And it was barely his second most. He threw 22 sinkers and cutters. 
So it became one of his favorite pitches to throw, and it got absolutely should have got shelled if it wasn't the fucking Tigers. Now, the thing is, his next start is against Oakland, arguably just as bad as the Tigers. Mm -hmm. So his next start might still look okay. After that is when you're going to start to get this facade where people think that he is this crazy good pitcher because he's off to this hot start, and I'm willing to bet that he throws the same amount of cutters next game that he did this game because if he threw that many, that means he thinks he tweaked it somehow. If he plays any offense that has any kind of power or real hitting ability, he's going to get annihilated. And I need people to understand that you should temper your expectations a little bit. It wasn't as good of a start as it looks like. Yeah, after his uh, Friday start, he's lined up to pitch against the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the White Sox, and then probably the White Sox again. So White Sox aren't really a strong lineup, but I, I imagine the uh, Red Sox and the Blue Jays will will beat him up pretty good. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably run him out there against Oakland and then try no, and he, trade he, him. Did, he does have the Reds. Game. He does have the Reds, not Blue Jays, most likely. But um, that game is in Cincinnati. In a, in okay, okay, okay. He was a solid 3-4 pitcher for the Phillies, but he's not – I mean, I know Tampa works their magic on pitchers, but I don't know if he can – be anything more than a, a streaming option really and speaking of working their magic you guys should uh work your way on over to twitter and give us a follow at fake baseball you get all of our stuff there it it was a reach but it works uh <laughs> it is at fake baseball on twitter uh youtube and twitch is fake baseball money you can find us we are everywhere and if you are listening to this if you could leave us a five-star rating and review that would be amazing we love you guys we love all you guys that return and listen i have a lot of you guys that reach out to me on facebook twitter reddit all over the place talk to me about baseball i absolutely love it keep bringing it keep dishing it out like every start sit question i got you Uh, if you want to do that i am on twitter at block u-l-o-c-k-a-y-e yeah, I still haven't gotten any questions, but if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter or send me questions, you can do so at rgilbertsop. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.